millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to day 27 of 31 Days of Terror and I have four spooky stories for you today and story number one comes from Jenny. My grandma would drive down to Pueblo, Colorado on some weekends to go and stay with her dad. Her own mom had passed away a year before so she would go stay the weekend with her dad, take him grocery shopping, clean his house and give him some company. On one particular visit my great grandpa had gone into his bedroom to take a nap so my grandma made herself comfortable on the couch in the living room. She ended up falling asleep herself, but was woken a bit later to the sound of my great-grandpa getting a glass down in the kitchen. My grandma assumed that he was getting some water, so she pulled herself up off the couch to see if he needed some help. When she got to the kitchen, it was empty. My great-grandpa wasn't anywhere in sight. She walked down the short hall to his bedroom to find him still napping in his bed. She shook her head, thinking she must have imagined it, then went back to the couch. When my great-grandpa woke up 20 minutes later, she told him about hearing glasses clink in the kitchen and how she thought that he was up. He just smiled at her and said, Oh honey, that's just your mama. She's always moving stuff around in there. That same grandma of mine passed away in 2010. We were all so heartbroken. She was the matriarch and kept our family together. My mom took it especially hard as she and my grandma were extremely close. When the news came that she had passed away, we all met at her house in Denver, Colorado to make arrangements and be together. My mom woke up extremely early the morning after and couldn't get back to sleep, so my stepdad asked if she wanted to drive somewhere to watch the sunrise. The only car available was my grandpa's truck, so they took that. I should insert that my grandma was Mexican and my grandpa was Caucasian. While my grandma loved Mexican music and spoke Spanish fluently, my granddad couldn't speak a lick of it. My mom and my stepdad drove up into the Rocky Mountains where they found a good spot facing east where they could watch the sunrise. They parked the car, turned off the ignition and waited for the sun to rise. About five minutes after sitting there, suddenly the radio came on and it was playing Mexican music. And this was my granddad's truck. He didn't have any radio stations programmed to any Mexican music stations. And secondly, the ignition was off. My mom immediately started crying and said she felt my grandma's presence so strong. She knew that she was there with her. And story number two comes from AD. I've had many experiences throughout my life, but nothing as terrifying as what I experienced three years ago. I was going through some hard times. I was let go of at my job, I was extremely depressed and my anxiety was at an all-time high. 
This was close to the holiday season, which is also hard on me. I landed a part-time job, which was close to home, but living in LA commuting is a pain. I had early mornings in order to catch the train on time, so my sleeping schedule that was already terrible due to anxiety had become non-existent. One Saturday, a group of friends and I hit a local brewery for some pints and a laugh. This brewery happened to have vendors this day selling nicks and knacks. I found a vendor that had cool pins and stickers and being a huge fan of both I started to browse. I found a few stickers that I liked and he offered me a deal of 10 stickers for a discounted price. While browsing I saw that he had a cool cartoon Ouija board sticker. I asked if he had any of those and he replied with no but offered to sell me a real board. I quickly declined as I believed those boards can truly cause harm. I finished my purchase and he bagged all the stickers for me and I was done. A few days later, I looked in my bag and found two of the Ouija board stickers that he said he was sold out of. Me thinking I just got lucky, thought nothing of it, until things started to happen. The house we live in has always had a presence and many things have happened there. My husband's aunt passed away in the home suddenly and she had so many things left undone that she still remains here. With her energy, I think that was what allowed the sticker to open a dark portal. I never used the sticker as a talking board because again I know the power they can hold. And since the sticker was made to look cartoonish, I seriously thought it had no power or the ability to work as an actual talking board. My first experience happened at 3am. I woke up to the hallway bedroom door slamming shut loudly and loud footsteps going down the hall. My husband's brother lives with us, but I knew it wasn't him because I did not hear his bedroom door close. His door makes a certain creak and a lock sound when you shut it, and he always shuts his door. The next night, I had the most terrifying nightmare I've ever had. I was falling asleep and holding my rosary and saying my prayers with my head under the sheets, when I must have dozed off. At this point, I was dreaming, and my husband went under the covers with me. Only when he faced me, his face was a demonic-looking entity, and I felt small hands coming from underneath my bed and pulling the rosary out of my hands as I'm gripping it with all my strength. I woke up scared out of my mind. I prayed the whole night and tried to sleep. The following evening, my bathroom door was slightly ajar. The following evening, my bathroom door was slightly ajar, and with the light off, you couldn't see anything but pitch-black darkness. At this point I was so scared that anything dark terrified me so I went to close it and when I grabbed the doorknob something on the other side held it and pulled it as if it was trying to keep the door open or worse pull me in. I slammed it shut and prayed so hard that night. I continued to have nightmares and with the depression I was going through I was literally only sleeping two hours a night at most. I finally remembered I had the stickers and right then I knew that this was why all this dark oppressive things had been happening to me. I was depressed and drinking more than usual. Also I was letting all the negative things that were happening to me take hold and I think that's why the board sticker was able to open something dark. Although I never took it out of the bag or displayed it, my bad energy and the fact that other entities lay here were enough to open something dark. The very next day I took the stickers with me on the way to work and I trashed them at the train station. That afternoon I was exhausted and was taking a nap. 
and this is when I knew everything that happened prior was absolutely true and real. As I was napping, I had a nightmare. A huge, dark entity was in my dream. It was hooded and looked like the Grim Reaper. It floated over me. I could see myself sleeping and my room was filled with a blue mist. The entity then jumped on top of me and straddled me. I felt the impact, strength and weight and that's what woke me up. After that, the experiences stopped completely. It was like the entity was telling me I may not have gotten you this time but I'll be waiting. It was like a warning. Fast forward now to just a few months ago and I'm always the first to rise, up at 6am before anyone else. I woke up and went straight to the coffee machine. From my kitchen I could see the hallway and in one of the entryways I saw a tall shadowy figure. I was scared, but not enough to run away. I continued to make my coffee and when I looked again it was gone. I haven't had anything happen since then but I pray nightly and sleep with my rosary beads under my pillow. I've always been a believer in such things and being a sensitive always keeps me fascinated in the paranormal. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And story number three comes from David. I'd like to contribute by telling my own paranormal tale. Well, technically it's not my tale. I'm in it, but I was too young to remember most of the details. This is my family's story, one we don't usually tell people who were not there to experience it for themselves. Like many people who have experienced the paranormal, we get that look. The incredulous, condescending look that shoots you down and makes you feel silly for taking any of it seriously, and that makes you question your own experiences. Firstly, I have to admit that my family, myself included, remain somewhat sceptical of the paranormal on the whole, and cannot reasonably explain what happened in our house. Major House is a three-bedroom, one-storey cottage located in Dipton, a small mining village in the very north of County Durham in northeast England. The village has existed since at least the 10th century AD, and the house was built in 1880. When my parents bought the house in 1989, it was, to say the least, a fucking wreck. It had been derelict for many years and needed completely gutting and renovating. It was riddled with damp and didn't even have a floor. They were in their 20s, newly married, and thought this would be a fun project for their first home together. However, my mum, Jill, was soon pregnant with me, and the house was finished just in time for my arrival in the summer of 1990. We had a dog a stray mongrel called Dino, who looked like a dingo and would run away almost weekly and would come home in the morning on the milk float. The house was broken into on the night that I was born. It's quite a rough area, and the little bastards broke in through the back door which led straight into the kitchen. They took all of my new baby stuff and a bunch of valuables, so my parents had to live in my grandparents' house for a few days while they fixed the door and rebought everything they needed to look after little newborn me. My dad Adrian worked away at sea most of the time. He was an engineer in the Merchant Navy 
and would often be away for up to six months at a time, so my mum was usually the one who took the brunt of the paranormal activity in the house. She did not feel safe living in the house, and put it on the market three times before we finally found a buyer and moved out six years later in July 1996. The strange events began almost immediately after I was born. They were fairly infrequent, sometimes months apart, and mostly when my sister and I were young. While my dad thought the events were odd, he didn't necessarily feel afraid or that we were in any danger. However, my mom would often feel a strong sense of dread and fear and didn't like being in the house alone. They only told my sister and I about the strange events after we moved out in an attempt to protect us from being afraid. But I too remember sometimes having an unexplained sense of dread and fear suddenly wash over me with no apparent cause. This would usually happen in a specific part of the corridor between my bedroom and the kitchen. It all started when I was just a few weeks old. My parents were getting ready to go to bed one night after chilling out and watching TV. My dad was in the living room and my mom had just gone to the kitchen. Together they switched off all the lights and the TV and headed to bed. They froze at the doorway to the bedroom and couldn't believe what they were seeing. All the bedclothes, which moments before had been neatly on the bed, were now screwed up and thrown against the corner of the room. This had happened without a sound. They blamed each other for playing a trick and went to bed without much thought. Eleven months later, my sister Lisa was born. The second strange event happened when she was just a few months old. My dad had gone through to my sister's room in the morning to get her out of her crib and took her through to the living room. A few moments later, my mom went into the room to change the bedding but found the crib smeared with shit. It was all over the inside of the crib. However, my sister was completely clean. Her baby girl was spotless, completely buttoned up, and her nappy was also clean. Nobody could explain where the shit came from or how it was all over the crib, but not the baby. My dad swears blind that it wasn't there when he was in the room just moments before my mom. On another occasion when my dad was working away, my mom had a friend Helen staying overnight. She would have friends and family stay as regularly as she could because she hated being in that house alone. After a few glasses of wine and a takeaway, Helen was sleeping on my bedroom floor. She woke in the middle of the night to the sound of my baby sister crying in the next room. She got up to go and see, but as she reached my sister's room, she heard a woman's voice coming from inside the room saying, Shh, it's alright. And she saw the silhouette of a figure over the crib. The voice sounded unfamiliar, but she assumed it was just my mam, thought nothing of it and went back to bed. The crying soon stopped, and she fell back to sleep. The next morning she told my mam what had happened, but my mam swore blind that she didn't get up at all throughout the night, and thought my sister had miraculously slept through. Another event happened one night when my dad was away at work and my mam had just put us both to bed. We were both still very young, around two and three, and she was alone in the house. After putting us to bed, she went through to the kitchen to make herself some beans on toast for dinner. She put the beans in a pan on the stove, switched it on and went through to the living room for a few minutes while the beans warmed up. When my mom left the room, the blinds were closed. When she returned a few minutes later, the blinds had been pulled from the window and were draped at full extension across the bench and down in front of the cupboards. There were no windows open, 
and the doors were locked, so there was no draft that could have blown them over. Even if the blinds had blown in a draft, they would have knocked over the things on the windowsill, not to mention the drying board that was full of dishes. But they had somehow been lifted over all the things on the windowsill and the sink, and then pulled down to full extension and draped over the bench without knocking anything else over, and without making a sound. After so many of these strange events happening over the years, everyone was convinced that something was definitely haunting the house. It seemed like classic poltergeist activity. It wasn't just us. Friends and family had seen and heard things happening in the house that were impossible. A friend of my mom said she knew a spiritual medium, and after a bit of convincing, they invited the woman around to do a reading. As I said, there isn't a religious or spiritual bone in any of our bodies, besides my Irish Catholic grandmother. Everyone was sceptical of mediums, but decided what the hell. In this reading, the medium explained that there was indeed a spirit in the house, but that it was just playful, it was the spirit of a child who enjoyed mischief and pranks, but was actually there to watch over my sister and I, and it was nothing to be afraid of. Around the same time, my aunt had been for a reading with a different medium. The spirit in our house came up. The medium told my aunt that there was a spirit in her brother's house looking after his two children. The spirit, she said, was the spirit of an elderly family member's miscarried child. She did use the name of the family member, but I won't use their name here. They all brushed it off as a failed cold reading. After all, it was common for women to miscarry back then. But as far as we all knew, this person had never had a miscarriage. However, her words brought back a memory from my aunt's childhood. She is the eldest of her siblings, and she remembered that when she was young, there was lots of excitement about this woman having a baby. She remembered them going into hospital, but then there was no baby and nobody ever spoke of it again. She hesitantly brushed this off as well. Maybe she was misremembering something else, or maybe it was a false memory created by the reading. It wasn't until last year when my sister was pregnant with her son that this family member confided in her that she had been pregnant five times, but had only had four children. Most of the strange happenings in the house seemed to revolve around my sister. From the moment Lisa could speak, she would often say strange things, including freakishly accurate predictions. When the phone rang, she would smile and say, It's Grandma, or It's Daddy, and she was bang on every time. She would also announce people visiting the house, usually within half an hour of them arriving. One particularly creepy time was when my dad was working away. One night, she ran to my mom, grinning and excitedly shouted, Daddy's coming home. He wasn't due home for another two weeks, so my mom explained to her that he wouldn't be coming home yet. But she insisted, with a big, creepy, knowing grin, that Daddy was coming home now. And sure enough, within the hour, my dad walked through the door. His ship had docked a couple of weeks earlier than scheduled, so he thought he'd surprise my mom by coming home early. There were no mobile phones back then and the only way he could contact her would be to use a payphone when they were in the dry dock or to write letters that would be taken back to shore by helicopter with crew changes. There was no way she could have known he was coming back that night. All of our pets bit my sister, including our dog, hamster and several fish. I don't know if that was because she was a haunted little creep or because she was just a dick. That pretty much wraps up our weird experiences at Major House. When we moved to Gateshead, Lisa lost her precognitive powers and the poltergeist activity did not follow us, thank fuck. 
My parents have lived in the same house since. Although I've had the odd paranormal experience here and there, I don't think any of it was related to this story. Maybe I'll share another shorter story in the future. I'm still not convinced there was just one spirit in the house, if there were any at all. The medium's explanation of a friendly and playful protector spirit would, I suppose, explain some of the poltergeist activity, but not the dread and fear. That presence had a very different energy. And if, like the second medium said, the spirit was protecting me and my sister, what was it protecting us from? The same people who bought the house from us in 1996 still live there. I have considered dropping a letter through the door to ask if they've had any paranormal encounters. But I decided that's probably a really fucking weird thing to do, so I haven't. Yet. And story number four comes from Thomas. As much as I wish it featured Ouija boards, creepy Edwardian dolls or girls with really long hair, young girls with really long hair really give me the creeps for some reason. I sincerely hope that someone else relates to this obscure fear of mine. But this story doesn't. Just my grandparents and they were both lovely people. They were both Geordies, who met during World War II. My grandfather Tom, who I was named after, and my grandmother Lillian were both young. My grandfather lied about his age and joined the Royal Air Force, while my grandmother joined the WAAFS. They fell in love and promised they'd wait for each other and be married once the war was over. My grandfather ended up involved in the North African campaign and was even held as a prisoner of war by the Germans, but actually managed to escape, and walked for days across the sands of North Africa to an American military unit. There he was interrogated for days to make sure he wasn't a German spy, but they must have realised the German could never pull off a Geordie accent so perfectly, so they released him back to the British units nearby. And while all of this was taking place, my grandmother was back in England helping build fighter aircraft and hoping my grandfather would be back one day, all the while listening to Lord Haw Haw at night. When the war ended, my grandparents married and made the decision to move to Australia, as so many did those days. My grandparents were always around when I was young. They were a very important part of my life, as my father left when I was two. My grandfather was the significant male role model in my life, and taught me how to fix broken toys, how to be polite, how to eat with manners, threatening that I might have to eat dinner with the Queen one day, so I didn't want to be caught out with bad table manners. That was until my grandfather passed away in 1995 from a sudden stroke. I remember I was staying at their house that night, but my mum came to collect me very early in the morning while my grandfather was taken to hospital where he died. Although I only heard about what happened the night of his death years later from my mother. My grandmother was quite a strict Anglican, so talking about ghosts just wasn't the done thing but she confided in my mother that my grandmother was lying in bed alone that night crying to herself. All of a sudden her bed began to shake and a golden aura filled the air. My grandmother was so scared that she couldn't open her eyes, but she felt two arms wrap around her and a kiss on her forehead. She described that she could even feel the hairs on the arms that were hugging her. It was my grandfather. He said to her that it was his time now and that he loved her, and he would be waiting on the other side when it's her turn. The bed stopped shaking and the room returned to normal. My mother recounted this tale to me when I was in my late teens, and while I thought of it as a romantic anecdote, I never paid it much mind. In 2007, 
I moved from Perth to Melbourne, as at that period every young, weird and interesting person in Australia was moving there, as it was something of Australia's own Berlin. Cheap rents, weird people and a thriving artistic scene. It should be now noted that the city is still one of the coolest places on earth, but incredibly gentrified. I had set up my life there and started my career in medicine and had become engaged to an anaesthetist. Life was going well, but I always missed my grandmother back in Perth, or Nanny as we called her, so I made sure to visit her every year. As the years went by, dementia was setting in and on my last few visits to her she just seemed embarrassed that I was visiting her because she didn't remember who I was. But I made sure that she knew that this young guy visiting loved her very much and considered her to be the best nanny ever. Nanny passed away peacefully in her sleep on a Friday night in 2015 when her heart stopped beating. I found out by way of a phone call from my uncle early on Saturday morning. Of course I was distraught and cried buckets. My fiancé comforted me, but I'm really the kind of person who likes to mourn on their own. I guess it must be the Anglo-Saxon in me. We're never good at expressing emotions in front of others. That night, as I lay in bed alone, after having cried my eyes out, I was actually quite peaceful and was thinking of nothing in particular. All of a sudden, my bed began to shake. I need to stress that this wasn't a violent shake, but the bed was very noticeably moving back and forth on its own. I actually thought we were having an earthquake, but it was small so I laid there and just took it in. After about 15 seconds, it stopped, and I got out of bed and went to ask my fiancé James if he had just felt the earthquake. He said he hadn't, as I quickly logged on to the Australian Government Geoscience website to look at their seismic survey and see if anything had been registered. At this point, I need to explain that Australia very, very rarely has any kind of seismic activity. We're a big flat continent with barely any mountains and I've only ever felt one small earthquake in my life. It was so unexpected that it was all over the news and the memes were spread for days. But the geoscience website showed that there had been no seismic activity at all. We lived on a small street that trucks are banned from using and no trains went near our house so all external sources for the bed shaking were easily ruled out. It was only then that I remembered my grandmother's story of her bed shaking when my grandfather passed. It was such a calm, gentle shake as well. It was soothing. I know this sounds a bit insane, but I can't help but think that it was my grandmother telling me it was now her time to pass over and that we'd see each other on the other side again someday. Of course, even I have doubts. The effect trauma can have on the human brain is still barely understood and I'm much more of a sceptic than a believer, but I feel it's best not to try and explain this one, and to just take it for what it is, my nanny waving goodbye as she passed by. I imagine she's up there with my granddad now, both in their wartime finest clothes, dancing to jazz and drinking sherry like rations never existed. They both loved sherry. 4pm was always sherry time for nanny and granddad. I'm always so glad I made the effort to fly across the country and visit my grandmother during her final years. And I'm so glad I remembered my grandfather's lessons on how to fix things and be a dignified, respectable man. I'm sure my manners would be perfect if the Queen ever does come for dinner. 
Thank you so much to Jenny, AD, David and Thomas for sending in your stories and thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. <laughs>